1: Welcome to the world of Mr. Black where we are living life like it matters. And today we want to talk about the measure of a man. You know ladies and gentlemen for the longest time in my life you know I had a very traumatic childhood I used to wonder what what makes me a man? And I think there's a lot of men that ask that. You know, what makes a man a man? What is the metric? What is the measurement that makes a man? You know, uh, you know, if I can make a woman go ooh ooh ah ah, does that make me a man? If I could make a lot of women go ooh ooh ah ah, does that make me a man if I can make a lot of money? If I can meet a lot of people? If I can have a million followers on Facebook or social media?
0: This is a does man. that
1: make me a man? Yeah, and you hear it all the time. What what makes a man a man? Uh, and it's just a fascinating concept because, you know, I hear it all the time that the only illegal drug on a college campus is testosterone. You know, right now there's a war on men. Let's just be honest. Every two years, the Democratic Party, in order to get you know people to vote for it, says that there's a war on women because they play to little groups. They segregate people out. It's identity politics, and so they wanna they wanna make women feel sorry for themselves to be the victim and and how Republicans hate you and Democrats love you. And so let's get you special treatment. Let's do the yeah. And today the good news is there's gonna be no violin playing outside of what John does uh, because today uh, we're gonna be talking about a real man and we'll be talking to a real man uh, and man it's an incredible story that you're gonna hear today so you do not want to miss it but you know we hear all the time about the alpha male the alpha male and you know uh, testosterone is evil and testosterone is a toxic drug and to- you know no it's actually a necessary drug absolutely uh, and you know we hear all the time about low T you know low T uh, for uh, the the left and progressive and Democrats seem to think there's too much testosterone in this world, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you actually research, there's actually not enough testosterone. I'm being serious now, medically. You realize how many low-T clinics there are around this country? Google it sometimes. Low-T clinics popping up everywhere. Uh, That uh, men, uh, uh, the uh, the, the effeminate men, is now the in thing. I think Barack Obama kind of started making that thing the effeminate male. I agree with uh, (laughs) that. Yeah, he does. Good job up john it has i resemble that remark right <laughs> and so we've got this soft fluffy and again there's nothing wrong with that if that's who you are so please don't read anything into it don't hear what i'm not saying i uh, hear what i am saying uh and so you know this low t and then a lot of men wonder if i have low t am i still a man you know uh and so we go we get these shots and we go to these clinics and we take these pills and we i mean if you look at all that the male enhancement and male virility i, I I bet you it's in the billions of dollars, that industry, every year, just so that people can have more testosterone, so that men can have more testosterone. But I want to challenge you. I want to suggest to you that the measure of a man does have to do with the T. Matter of fact, there's five T's, but testosterone is not one of them. Uh, having legs is not one of them. Uh, Making a woman go ooh ooh ah ah is not one of them. I think Jesus Christ was the greatest man who ever walked this planet. Uh, Jesus Christ was fully man and fully God, my Bible tells me. Whether you believe or not, it's up to you. But I have a standard of truth and that standard of truth is called the word of God. And so Jesus Christ was fully man and fully God. You had to have a fully man and fully God to bridge the gap between a, a, a sinful man and a holy God. So the only one that could connect the two would be one that could be man and one that could be God. And there was only one God man and his name is Jesus. But one of my favorite pastors, Adrian Rogers, who's been with the Lord now for a couple of decades. I remember years ago, uh, he said the measure of a man was and he lists out five T's and not one of them is testosterone. And he labeled them as tears, trials, testimony, Tenacity and triumph. Isn't it interesting that the first one is tears? Because how many times have we heard the saying that men don't cry? You know, boys don't cry. And yet, the shortest verse in the English dictionary, or English Bible, I'm sorry, English Bible, is Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus. He wept. Even though he was getting ready to raise Lazarus, he wept. And I've always asked myself, why did he weep if he was getting ready to raise Lazarus? And it was pretty easy to figure out because they still didn't believe. That Mary and Martha still didn't believe that he was God himself. And so I think he wept the disappointment that those that loved him and those that he loved still did not get who he was. And I'm going to tell you, it takes a real man to shed tears. We're going to have a guest on the show that's going to awe you, it's going to impress you. Uh, and uh, in his uh, presentation that he did when I met him, he got a little emotional when he talked about his boys and he kept profusely apologizing. And I had to say, Dave, stop it. Don't You have nothing to apologize. That's beautiful. That's probably the most impressive thing you've done all, all, since you've been up there. So it's tears, trials. You know, we all have ups and downs. You know, life is an undulating line. And I always tell people that God cares how we suffer. We want to bring glory to God in the suffering. You know, he says, when you fast, don't do it with a frown on your face. When you give, don't let the right hand know what the left hand's doing. We have trials. How do we respond to those trials? How do we, how do we pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off and hit it again? How do we become victorious instead of a victim? We live in a victim society today that everybody wants to blame everybody else for everything that doesn't go well. You know, trials are part of life. Uh, That's how we grow, that's how we learn, that's how we're tested. And then we got testimony. You know, testimony is all about your story. How do you take your story, good and bad, right or wrong, fun or not fun, high or low, and frame it in such a way that it's food, that's tools, that it's useful for other people? You gotta have a story. If you think about it, history, is his story, his being a male, testosterone, right, T- story. What's your story? What's your testimony? And is your story framed and worded in a way that it motivates others? Does it inspire people? Does it uh, educate people? Does it give people a-, a-, a desire to move and be better and do more and be more? Which brings us to the other T of tenacity. Ah, tenacity you know the Bible says a righteous man will stumble seven times but get back up but the wicked will stumble to ruin I don't know if it was Peter or if it was James but someone asked Jesus one time Lord how many times I think it was Peter do I forgive should I forgive seven times and Jesus said 70 times seven unlimited tenacity is people that don't give up tenacity is people that focus on the end in mind and the last one's triumph. Well, you know what I learned a long time ago? You can tell a lot about a man in victory. Yeah, you can tell a lot about a man in defeat as well. But let's be honest. Some of my biggest falls have come after a great victory. Some of my biggest spiritual problems has come after a great spiritual victory. So how do you triumph? Do you rub it in people's face? You know, my son Bodiah, he has a tendency to be a, a poor loser, but he's also a poor winner. I gotta teach him differently. Because when you triumph, do you go nah na 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 na? Do you rub it in people's face? Or do you keep yourself humble? And so today we're gonna talk about the measure of a man. And yeah, there's tears and there's trials and there's testimony, and there's tenacity, and there's triumph. There's overcoming and there's realization. It takes framing and reframing. But when it comes to the end of your life, what do you want said about you men and women? What do you want to believe about your husbands or your sons or your brothers? Because we all are different. Not wrong or right, not good or bad, just different. And it's what we do in those differences that make all the difference in the world. And today you're going to hear from a great man, A man by the name of Dave Stevens. A man who was born into a situation that most of us would play victim in. But he chose not to. He chose to rise up. To rise up. And you're going to see this radio show. The true measure of a man. So I am black. You are living life like it matters. What's the matter with you? I think your brain is going soft. You can act like a man! You slams poop! What we do in life echoes in eternity. Give me 48 hours and I will give you a new beginning. Give me 48 hours and I will give you hope. Give me 48 hours and I will give you your power back. Because between the stimulus and the response, there's a space. And in that space is your freedom. It is your power.
0: At Like It Matters Leadership Awakening, 48 hours will change the course of your life. Discover the very
2: purpose of your life, along with the ability to achieve. Give Mr. Black 48 hours in the next Leadership Awakening. Sign up at likeitmatters.net slash schedule.
1: Welcome back. Matters radio, radio like it matters, inspiration, education, and application. This is where we're living life like it matters. You know, uh, I've been in the life changing business for 30 years, Uh, and uh, what brought me into life training business, uh, changing business, is that uh, you know, I had a really tough childhood. A really tough childhood, those that know me share that very openly, Uh, and uh, I've reframed it you know, the childhood that drove me to with a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness, a lot of resentment. uh, At some point I said, I'm gonna stop playing a victim. I'm gonna quit feeling sorry for myself. uh, And I'm gonna use my pain to help other people and those that know me I've been yeah I've been doing what I do for 30 years and that's exactly it at some point I I had to look myself in the mirror and say stop it you know put your big boy pants on you know Uh, and so in the process of this 30-year journey of mine I've met a lot of people I've been blessed enough to change uh, tens of thousands of people's lives directly Uh, I've met some people heard some incredible stories uh, phenomenal and uh, as you know uh, last weekend I was in San Diego uh, with the uh, elevate, uh, which basically a, a way to connect with people. Uh, the concept being that uh, relationships matter. The concept being that a, uh, what is the saying? A rising tide raises all boats. And so it's a way to connect with some neat people. And so uh, I met some cool people. And our next guest is uh, one of those cool people, uh, a great man, a, a great human being, uh, just great all the way around. And so uh, I would like to welcome to Like It matters radio mr dave stevens hey dave thanks for joining us on like it matters
2: well thank you mr black i'm so uh excited to be here i had a layover in minnesota yesterday i was like wow they're just teasing me being able to come back to uh where i spent you know 10 amazing years locally there when i went to college so yeah just here fun with you today
1: yeah and you you were actually uh raised in uh, wisconsin
2: was that where you're born in wisconsin no, I was uh, born uh, and raised in Arizona, and then I ended up uh, coming to Minnesota to play uh, football at Augsburg University and work at the local TV station, uh, KSTP-TV, the Channel 5 affiliate locally. So I've, I've got some great connections to the Twin Cities, got to be a part of a World Series in 87 and 91 with the Twins. So Minnesota's so special to me. That's what happened to me when I moved from Minnesota to Connecticut uh, 26 years ago to take a job at ESPN. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it was like that 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 nine years the best people come from the midwest they're just there's no agenda there's no politics there's just good people treating people with respect and and uh, love. Yeah,
1: I, lo- I love uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Uh, you know, I'm actually in Dallas, from Dallas, and by the grace of technology, you know, I can uh, dial up my Lucy Live connection, and uh, it's just like I'm right in the uh, studio there with uh, with my brother, John Berg, and uh, John's a blessing to me. Uh, I like when I go to Minneapolis. I get to do my my shows live, and the studio's pretty cool. So, hey, I heard you had a busy week. You, you left San Diego, and what was it you did? Some stand up or something like that? What was that? What'd you do this week?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of interesting, and I'm sure, you know, your audience is like, well, who is this guy and why is he on the show? But yeah, I did uh, what well, I would call <laughs> sit down because uh, I was born without legs, and now yep. we've left the cat in the bag. But uh, I don't born know. without legs, <laughs> high school. Sports, you know, did all these things in my life, and yeah, I, you know, uh, did I think eight, nine minutes of stand up or sit down the other day, and uh, it actually didn't <laughs> go horrible. It was fun. Uh, another part of uh, you know those things that you've probably never seen a disabled comedian. There are not very many out there, but the feedback was great. And you know, as you pointed to meeting you at that amazing uh, mindset ele- elevation, it, it was just so many amazing people and stories that pale in comparison to mine. Just, uh, just people that have overcome so much, and that's why, you know, thank you for having me to kind of share my story of the ups and downs of what it's like to, you know, have a disability come from nothing and then, you know, get to where I've got to where now I can give back and and teach empathy instead of sympathy
1: yeah it's so powerful and you know I don't remember the phrase but we had saw something uh, at the event and you know disabled is what happens to your car when it's broken on the side of the road uh, yeah. and Dave uh, you have redefined that word for me uh, because I, I can see you have no legs I'm not blind I can see that uh, but Dave Man, disabled? I don't know if that, I, I wouldn't use that word to describe you. Uh, you've done so much, I mean you just talked about being a part of uh, Minnesota Twins, right? You were talking about that, part of a World Series. Uh, what were you on the sidelines? What were you doing with the Minnesota Twins?
2: Uh, You know, while I was going to college and, you know, I became the only legless uh, football player in NCAA college football history, I got a TV job locally uh, while I was in college because I wanted to be on TV. I wanted to be a sportscaster. And so I became a producer and and, uh, got to go every day to, you know, talk to Kirby Puckett and Ken Herbeck and all those guys. And, you know, we got to ride uh, along with them for 87 and 91. And, you know, those, those amazing things that happened in my life, I call, you know, I say I've lived a forest skimp life because, you know, I've also been down there where you live in Dallas when I tried out for the Dallas Cowboys and uh, just there this year playing a softball game with a bunch of superstars like Zeke Elliott and here's this little dude well, not so little anymore, but a guy without legs. (laughs) At at age 55, I get to go to these events and, you know, just kind of some people say hey, how do you play golf? And I'm out there doing my thing and, you know, you just kind of lead by example instead of trying to, you know, bring attention so much to um, you know, uh, a disability, as they call it, or that handicap, which is a term that should only be used in golf. And, you know, with the... With the amazing smocks that you were wearing, people were staring at you more than they were me. You know, because you have you have these amazing bright colors of things where people think you're a doctor or you know a physicist or something like that. So, um, but you know, I've always said that you know not having legs is awkward for people. It's that elephant in the room, and I'm the one that's in the room. So it's my motto has been if they're going to stare at me, I might as well give them a show. So I know that at every given day, people are staring at me. If I'm at an event, I can't get drunk because that would be unprofessional, they'd say, look at that drunk dude with no legs in a wheelchair. So it's like, you got to, I have that awareness all the time that people are looking at me, and, and I just try to give that opportunity to show that I'm as normal as they are, that I'm just in a wheelchair right now, you know, or I wore artificial legs, or when I play sports I'm running around on my arms, and you know, your listeners are like, what the heck, and thank yeah. heavens that uh, there's video out there on, on my YouTube channel, and just Google you know, Dave Stevens or whatever, legless football or legless baseball or uh, because most people just they can't fathom that you know you you label someone handicapped or disabled and so that's the, the pity immediately gets to you you're like oh that label means they've had a horrible life and that I should feel sorry for them and I should you know try to help them and and treat them differently whereas my motto has been you know I'll go do as much as I can and if I you know can do more then I can give that to others yeah it's a it's stunning as you just and we're we're just
1: opening this book up right now we're just barely opening it right now and already in just a couple of minutes you've shared stuff you've done that john and i uh i'll tell you right now if we accomplish what you just what you've shared in three minutes if john or i accomplished that in our entire lifetime i bet you both of us will look ourselves in the mirror and say man i had a good life uh and we're just opening this book up uh and it's so true you know you talk i love that i think you were the said a handicap you know that's something in golf uh there's no way you, when we were setting up this radio interview uh you were in uh, somewhere I don't, you weren't in Connecticut yet but you would show a picture of you know you were working and get uh, there was no elevator uh and so you parked your uh, yeah. wheelchair at the top of the stairs and watching you go down the stairs on your hands on those bars was just impressive man impressive
2: or, or stupid uh, at my age, you know, <laughs> five years trying to look like I was uh, Mary Lou Retton, you know, going down the double bars. You know, but, yeah. you know, it's it's always... I try to make it rather than a a nasty experience be a teaching experience because here you're talking about a charity that's trying to raise money for nonprofits and I'm like, well, what if you ever hired somebody with a disability and they can't get up here because there is no elevator? You know, it's not about my rights; it's about the rights of everyone else because I can do these things. It's not, yeah, but I can do them. What about those that can't, or someone who's a retired veteran uh, that has had both legs blown off and can't get around like I do, or Uh, Somebody with cerebral palsy, or you know, so you look around, especially in the East Coast, and I know you've been around here. You, you know, everybody doesn't pay attention to our needs, and I say that collectively as our, you know, our, our little minority, which the handicapper, disabled minority, is the biggest minority in the world yet we have the smallest wow. voice we can't we can't go out and demand uh because of our skin color we need jobs and rights uh, you know so much today and again it, it, i don't take anything away from my brothers and sisters out there of, of all of their yeah. plate but that that word diversity mm-hmm. if you go by the term and the definition we're never included Diversity has become a term that describes a color or a religion, and it doesn't really mean that when we talk about, oh, are we hiring everybody for diversity? It's now become, have you hired somebody of color, of race? We've lost that. We've taken a back seat. Even though October is National Handicap Employment Awareness Month, we're still those people at Walmart that are greeters or that have the lesser jobs. And it's time that the bigger picture be hey how about the military let's go people let's get people in the military that use mines you don't have to be in the field to contribute but i could use you to build the computers or to fix these planes or to engineer better you know things to protect us and let's drop that i you know i need to run a race or qualify physically to be in the military like let's start utilizing people and their tools based on their ability not their disability yeah, and the cool thing is you are a
1: living example of it. You're not, you know, the old saying, you know, walk your talk. Uh, ouch, right? And so you walk your talk. Really? Without legs, brother, you walk your talk uh, more than most people could ever consider. And, and, and we're getting ready to hard break, uh, go, go to hard break. But uh, when we come back, I want to back up a little bit and go back to the beginning. Because I remember, I cannot believe this, I remember watching when I was a little kid, uh, watching Frank. Tar- on That's Incredible and I remember the show with Tiger Woods on it uh, and you were on the same show, correct? Yes, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, cool. Yeah, we're going to cover this in a break. We're going to heartbreak but I want to open that up because now as I did a flashback, I remember seeing Dave a long, long time ago. So uh, we'll be right back. I am Black and we'll be right back.
0: A second tool, books by Mr. Black, always opening up your mind. Third, workshops, where we teach people how they work and how to function at a higher level.
1: Nice job, that's it for today. Wrap it up.
0: Contact Mr. Black at Mr. Black at likeitmatters.net. Building a better you today. Likeitmatters.net. Helping people live their lives like they matter. That's Mr. Black at likeitmatters.net. Discover the tools to build your relationships, your vision, and your life. What in the hell's diversity? Well, I I could be
1: wrong, but I believe uh, diversity is an old, old wooden ship that was used during the Civil War era. Amen. I am black, and you are black back with Under Construction. That's what we're doing here. We're under construction. We're working to be a little bit better today than yesterday, a little bit better tomorrow than today. And that's why we call it Like It Matters Radio. Uh, and if you missed uh, any of the shows so far, uh, it would behoove you uh, to go to likeitmattersradio.com uh, because today is a more special than normal day because we have a real special guest and uh, special because he's a man uh, who man knows was like to overcome a man who's done more uh, with his life in 55 years than many would do in given 110 years. And so let's welcome back uh, to Like It Matters Radio, Mr. Dave Stevens. Thanks again, Dave, for joining us. Thank you, Mr. Black. It's great to be back. Yeah. Hey. So. Uh, yeah. I was saying before the break. I remember because you showed the clip uh, at uh, at Elevate. And by the way, if you want to see a clip, you can go to YouTube. Uh, Dave Spe- uh, Stephen speaks some great clips of his life, incredible clips. Uh, also, www. Dave uh, is it Dave Correct. Right. That's yes, Sure. awesome but you showed a clip with Fran Tarkington I don't know 70s 80s I remember that show it, that's incredible and I remember uh, a four-year-old like uh, Tiger was or five years old he was young I remember that and then I remember now as you play it back uh, the guy with no legs and that was you I mean what was that like I mean how did you get on that's incredible L- give us some lead up to that whole
2: experience you know i started playing high school sports no one had ever done that in the state of arizona and obviously uh this was pre-internet days so you know words you know spread the state quickly of this legend there's this leg guy running around playing sports and doing well so we'd go on the road and people would just like flock to see me and they couldn't believe it and uh to go this month, ironically, BC called and said, I'm going to come down and do a story. So they came down to Wickenburg, Arizona, the little cowboy town that's, you know, two people have come, well, three people, Cody Custer, a uh, bull rider, uh, world champion, uh, Val Kilmer, and me. And so we, uh, <laughs> got to you know, fly to Hollywood. First time I'd ever been, you know, out of the state kind of thing. And, uh, you know, because of all the sports I got to be featured on this, you know, TV show and I'm in the green room and this little snotty little five-year-old is whacking golf balls <laughs> off my legs, right? Just chipping balls off my legs. And they're like, Oh, he's cute. You know? And it turned out it was Tiger Woods, uh, 40 years later. But because of that TV show, it led to, you know, being in reader's digest and sports illustrated and CBS and, you know, so many opportunities, like a college football scholarship and where I actually wrestled and played baseball as well in, in Minnesota you know, playing professional baseball in the minor leagues with the St. Paul Saints being teammates with Daryl Strawberry and Jack Morris and continuing those relationships with Daryl Strawberry who's now a minister and has changed his life around because like I said earlier people judge a book by its cover and, and there are times that we fail and fail far in the eyes of God when you need that help we need somebody to forgive you and I've I've always been that little you know, David Goliath, dude. You know that I'm about second chances and overcoming the odds and being whatever you want to call it—the the, the Cinderella story or the you know everything they say. And, and for me, it's just about going out and doing the hard work. And you know, I, that's why I'm at 55. I'm still magically going out and interviewing celebrities and covering Super Bowls and you know hanging out with Coolio on a golf course. And uh, you know, I told him, I said, it was great to meet you, Coolio. We both uh, have something in common. I've been in a gang all my life. Uh, I've been in the Crips for 55 years and he, he actually <laughs> thought that was kind of funny so i mean some people don't get my humor but yeah. um you know uh, it, it's like i i if, if i sat around and thought about what my life should be like yeah those evil thoughts would creep in, and they've been there in times. You know, when my adoptive parents died, and I turned to cocaine for a year. Uh, you know, or then reconnecting with my birth mother a few years ago, and the setback of finding my birth father and having him tell me I was a mistake, and you know, all those kind of things that. Uh, I think now, as you and I discussed, I'm most proud of that I'm raising three teenage boys and that they look at me normal and that they they have you know they're beautiful and they look at others and don't judge based on color or skin or religion or what's missing. And uh, I think society really needs to do more of that. As we get older, maybe these fossils are falling away and we can open up more and more eyes to you know getting everybody together on the same page. Amen. And again, you know, we,
1: we, we can look at you and say, well, you know, this no legs, but you had shared um, some trauma and drama that was actually, to me, sometimes would probably be worse than the no legs thing. Like you said, the adoptive parents and, and like you said, having finding your birth mother, birth father, and then like you said, having your birth father tell you you were a mistake. I mean, those are things, you know, you could overcome the legs thing. The no legs thing is almost easier than to overcome. The emotional trauma, or what we might create meaning of, you know, and and a lot of us relate our earthly experience to our heavenly experience, and we say, "Wow, if my." People on this earth who brought me into this world didn't want me. How could my heavenly Father? And and again, I I, I have a history of being able to play victim with the best of them, uh, Dave. I want you to know you're very therapeutic for me. I just want you to know this because, man, if I don't watch it, I can play a victim. I can put, be feel sorry for myself. Uh, you know, I was born a poor black child. You know, I can. You know, I still say that all the time. You know, I I was you know like the jerk. I was born a poor black child. You know, and so we were the only white people in the projects. So yeah, took John a couple minutes to get that one there just wait for it wait for it wait for it right uh so and, and you know uh, you know today is uh my wife and my uh 30 uh i'm sorry nine year anniversary nine year anniversary and you know last night Gosh. we got a little bit of a scuffle you know and uh so I, i'm I'm in bed laying in bed last night feeling sorry for myself and and here i am talking to, to dave stevens and realizing you know what uh, there's nothing to feel sorry for myself about you know pick myself up dust myself off and hit it again so you played professional sports uh, you've been on professional sports teams you tried out for the Dallas Cowboys uh, and I know your three boys are, are the proudest moment of your life but experience-wise experience-wise not raising your kids not uh, anything like that what what is when you think back of your life what you've done so far um, what's the biggest experience you've had that it's it, the top of the line for you that you thinks the greatest one outside of raising your kids and family stuff outside of that.
2: As weird as it is, I, I would say currently, it's it's how, you know, now that I do things for the disability channel and social media and things for, you know, with me getting access, it's like, it's how these athletes and celebrities are embracing me almost. And, and I get guys to do interviews that say they won't do interviews. And I don't know if they feel sorry for me, but then once I'm next to them, like they open up and we just have a good time. And then suddenly I'm getting three weeks later, Rob Gronkowski sending me autographed photos in the mail, un, you know, un, unsolicited saying it was the best interview I've ever done or Jim Abbott saying no one's ever asked that insight uh, of those kind of questions to me that you know, I, I, so I, I think currently it's like I got I look at my phone and there's J.B. Smoove texting me or here's you know, you know here's Daryl Strawberry saying you know watch this 30 for 30 you're not going to believe the story that I finally told or you know these kind of things or meeting you you know meeting you and, and, and finding another an amazing human who makes an impact in life uh, that, that is so selfless so it's weird, almost like a rebirth after getting laid off from ESPN when they wiped out five hundred, you know, five hundred people. Based on, you know, everyone said, oh, you've got the golden ticket, you don't have any legs, you'll never get fired. And to go from $125,000 a year to unemployment, uh, and like, what am I going to do with no legs and three kids? And so you just kind of go, well, let's start talking about my life and the amazing people that got me here. And, and, and just kind of maybe I can make an impact. And I tell people I want to leave my legacy, you know, so people can look at me and realize... <laughs> that, you, you know, just like you said, if, if I have it way worse off than Dave, what am I complaining about? And I say that every day as I'm schlumping a giant garbage can up and down the hill by myself and people are driving by and gawking or they want to get out and help. It's like, you know what? I can do this. What about somebody that's blind? What about somebody who's completely mentally challenged or, or you know, so, you know, it's like it pales in comparison to somebody battling cancer or something and oh, woe is me and I, I don't, you know, if I had a pity party i'd never leave my house you know um, yeah. and i do i wake up you know if there's two feet of snow and i don't want my testicles up in my throat i gotta go outside and walk <laughs> through it you know these are the, the things you guys you leggies don't think about uh but yeah. i won't yeah. ever have hip replacement knee replacement any of that stuff that you yeah. guys go through you know? that's right yeah that's right so what was
1: it like at espn how long were you on espn
2: I was there 20 years. Um, wow. Luckily won seven Emmys. You know, I'm so proud of having Emmys, that uh, these statues that are so cool. And, again, they don't say, hey, participation trophy for a handicapped guy. It's based on yeah. my ability at ESPN. And that's, you know, one of the most proudest things that I've got, that friends come over and they go, holy crap, you've got these. And, you know, again, it's just a trophy, but it's it's a equal trophy. It, it's something that, one, very few people get, and, two, uh, you know, I did it, and and like you said on that, it's incredible. The two things I said I wanted to do was play professional baseball and replace Howard Cosell uh, at the network level, and. That's on tape, and for people to see that as a 14 year old you know, with no legs, how do you tell people they can't have those dreams if they're achievable? You know, my son wants to be GM of the Phillies. How can I tell him he can't shoot for that when mine were even more ludicrous? So, if you follow those dreams, you might not always get them, but you you get a great life instead of sitting around and feeling sorry for yourself and daydreaming what I should have, could have, what a, where where would I be? You know, we don't know where we're going after this. We hope it's heaven, uh, but if this is all we got. You got to make the most of it with the tools you got
1: amen and uh, we're getting we're, we're getting ready to go heartbreak and uh, in the next segment uh, I want actually want to go backwards I want to go to the beginnings and uh, you know as a young child and uh, you know your first uh, realization of what was going on and all that I just I would love to know you have humble beginnings and and I gotta tell you with everything you shared um, during that time we spent together over the weekend and even now the most beautiful thing you shared uh, was the love that you have for your boys and uh, I'll never forget you apologize and we're getting so emotional and there's nothing to apologize for so hold on we're going to heartbreak Uh, I am black today on Like It Matters Radio we have an incredible human being incredible man Mr. Dave Stevens we'll be right back
0: you ain't got no legs Lieutenant Dane yes I know that
2: take a listen to this comparison of other training to Leadership Awakening
0: completely different than any other leadership program that I've been through I mean in 48 hours of leadership training in your program it was just it was dynamic it was intense it was powerful you know it was, it was amazing it was amazing
2: leadership awakening change your heart change your mind change your life go to likeitmattersnet it schedule for the next leadership awakening
1: so, Dave, I, I wanted to ask you a question. Um, you know, you had shared when we were together in San Diego. You had uh, you got emotional. You felt bad about it, and you, uh, you know, apologized. I said no, and and you had shared a couple stories about your your childhood. And you had said that when you took your kids back to your place where you grew up, and you had said something to the effect that, hey, this is where I grew up. And one of your kids asked you, like, Dad, why'd you choose to live there? R- recount that story for me, if you don't mind.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, we lived in uh, the last a couple of years of my high school life, we lived in a one room house. And I mean, literally I didn't have a bad bedroom. We had to use a refrigerator that was in the kitchen and then the back of a dresser and put a bed in between it. And that was my room. So as small as it sounds like, uh, not as glamorous as Elvis's birthplace in Tupelo. But uh, so I took my kids back there a couple of years ago in Arizona. We flew from Connecticut and uh, I took them there and they were just blown away by it looking just like, you know, uh, out of the poverty, you know, communities that you would find in new york or somewhere just not you know arizona and my son said dad why did you choose to live here and, and i kind of looked at him and i said well i didn't choose to live here but i could choose where i wanted to end up and that's kind of what my thought was at the time is like uh, you know screw this i'm not going to be penciled in as being whatever everyone expects i, I decided i sports and turned my disability into my ability and that's really when things started changing in my life and you know not being the last pick and, and evolving into a good baseball player and a great football player and a really good championship wrestler that uh, pissed off coaches and and made people like hey we got to do something and, and so you know that's that's why they they're very uh, uh, grounded as far as they know where I've come from and I, I vowed that my kids would not you know change schools despite getting divorced my kids have gone to the same schools, been around the same people they've never moved um you know i've given them everything i can't uh just because i wouldn't want anyone to go through what i went through as far as that the embarrassment uh, not having friends over uh, you know not having money to go to a movie or you know uh, wearing the same pants every day on your fake legs because mom couldn't do wash because she had cancer and you know the stuff like that i don't bring up a lot that people just be like well why didn't you kill yourself like how did you stay focused and grounded and it was always that 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 desire to not just sit around and, and be satisfied with what people expected me to be.
1: Yeah, and you know, I, I'm a father. I got four kids. My oldest uh, daughter, Faith, she's 24, and I got my son, Christian, uh, 22. I got a, a 15-year-old major, and then my my little one, Benaiah, who's uh, six, almost seven. And you know, for me, my, my life has been about, because I had some trauma. I had a lot of drama as a kid and a lot of abuse. I was on my own at 16. Uh, I went and uh, graduated high school, living with the biggest drug dealers in Henderson and never touched them before, before I went in the Army. Uh, uh, and uh, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt. I was in the Army at 17 years old, started college at, at 19 after getting back from the, my active duty for the Reserves and lived in my car. I lived in my car going to UNLV. Uh, um, and my parents lived five miles down the road, but I would never step in that home again after all the abuse that I had been through. It was just too traumatic, and and so I really wanted to be the dad uh, to my kids that I never had. I mean, being a good dad was really important to me, Dave. It was the most important thing, to the point where I actually think I had my kids on my throne, which I believe you should never have anybody but Jesus Christ on your throne, and I, I believe I had my kids on there for a while because it was so important to me, and I know the importance of your kids. You have you have three boys, correct? Yeah, 17, yeah 15, and thirteen. Oh wow, so cool. And uh, I mean, this was important to you too to bring them up that way. Um, what do you think the most important lessons that you want to teach your your, your boys uh, as you were raising them? What was the most important things you wanted them to grow up with?
2: Love. You know, I, 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 when you're a dad with no legs, and, and like I said earlier, there's no book for that. It's like, what are you supposed to do when you've got to take them up and down stairs? And what are you supposed to do when you've got to feed them when they're crying? And what do you got to do if you've got to push them and get them in a car and unload them? And so I had to, you know, I should have filmed that stuff. You want to talk impressive, but even impress me. And, you know, to, to give them that normal life at certain points where then they're teaching you, you know, hey, dad, I'll help you. He learns to climb the stairs to get up and down easier crawls out of the crib easier because they, they know this helps dad and it's just like an intuition thing. So, you know, I just mm-hmm. wanted to give them a normal life there, so there was no drop-off when mom took over or anyone else. Like, it was just a flow, a smooth transition of just trying to be that dad. And just like you, I always dreamed about it because, one, being adopted, you don't have that flesh and blood. And it meant so much to me to have that. And that's why that bond, you know, it, I get upset, I get emotional when I'm talking about them just because, man, how, how can you get more normal than having three beautiful boys that are going to go out and make a difference in the world?
1: Yeah. Amen. Amen. And if you don't mind me asking, how, how,
2: when did you get divorced? How, how, how old were the kids when you got divorced? Uh, I've been divorced 11 years, so two years, uh, third, my youngest is 13, so we've co-parented very well. You know, I, I wouldn't move when I got laid off at ESPN. I could have taken a job at the NFL Network or somewhere else, and I just said, no, I'm going to do it, and I took a job driving my, you know, 90 miles each way into New York to work in TV for a while, and then uh, finally, you know, became a motivational speaker, and now I'm a professor at Quinnipiac University where I teach media for kids with disabilities who won't get those opportunities and, and like I said uh, you know I'm, I, I can't complain about my life at all and, and I feel like I'm just beginning yeah yeah and you know 55 years old you and
1: I are the same age so actually uh, next week I turn 56 so I might be a little older than you but uh, you know and I'm I'm carrying uh, 80 extra pounds. I got this gut on me. I I didn't realize how much COVID weight I'd put on until you know at the event we went to. There was that white party, uh, that white jacket. You know the white night. I, I don't know how legally you're allowed to have a white party anymore, but they did have a white party. And and no, we didn't burn crosses on the grass or anything like that. But it was a it was a white party, and I went to uh you know this place to get a coat, a you know, white coat, and uh all they had was 48. I go, that's no problem. Yeah, that's a big sign. and I put it on, and I couldn't close it. It was like, "Oh no." It's like, "No, and I got <laughs> two legs." I got two legs. I could run around, I can get on think. thing, and yet I'm carrying 8X pounds, and dude, you're in great shape, uh, mentally, uh, physically. But, uh, you know, one of the things that was cool when you got up there and you got a chance to speak is one of the pictures, you you do your speech so well. I'm Oh my gosh, you should be booked all the time to speak in front of groups, all kinds of groups. Uh, I think the reason why you're not picked as much as you are is because we have overly focused on race, and it's got to the point where we are a victim society. Let's be honest. Uh, everybody mm-hmm. gets their DNA tested to see what percentage of a victim they are. And be honest with you, you're politically incorrect today. I know that sounds strange, but you're politically incorrect today because there is no excuse for playing the victim with you around. Uh, when you tell your story, no one can give an excuse for being a victim. And, well, this guy was mean to me. This guy was mad to me. You know, I, I eat scripture. I'm a pastor as well, Dave, and uh, I love the Word of God. And two two things I learned reading that scripture, number one, life ain't no fair. Uh, if it was fair, we'd all go to hell. And number two, life is hard. And God says there's two paths. One's wide and a lot of people are on it. It's leading to hell. It's easy. It's a lot of fun. But God said there's a narrow path and he says it's hard. And he says very few people are on it and very few people will find it. He said, that's the one that you want to seek. And so life ain't no fair. Life is hard. That's why we're supposed to have grace and mercy because God says the same measure of grace and mercy you give to other people. I will measure it back to you, but I really think because you fly in the face of being a victim, uh, that no one can claim a victim status around you. Today, we want to make black people victims uh, because it feels good. Somehow it's some self-righteous move, and and the worst thing to do ever is to program a child. that uh, They're a victim. Uh, I, I teach the logical levels. Uh, Dr. Uh, Robert Diltz talks about six levels that we create belief systems on. The highest is spirit. Below that is, is identity below that's belief system and values below that's capabilities below that is a behavior and below that's environment and change takes place from the top down not from the bottom up and it was einstein who said if you're gonna you can never solve a problem at the same level it was created at and i didn't really understand that until i learned the neurological levels but uh, you showed a picture of your boys and you started crying and wept and uh would you say that's your greatest accomplishment to to raise those boys to be loving, compassionate, caring young men? Is that your greatest victory?
2: Absolutely. You know, when I hear the horror stories of other parents, of their kids that are doing this, this, and this, and it's like mine, you know, my 17-year-old is a freshman in college. He just flew by himself to Dallas to go see the Eagles play the Cowboys with a couple of buddies. Like, you know, I, I, my, my work is far from done, but I've created three amazing human beings that you know, luckily they didn't get my legs. <laughs> they got their own and yeah. they are out there. And, you know, they get embarrassed about the silly stuff I do on TikTok or, you know, uh, but I know they're proud of me and that they love me and that, you know, that's, that is my legacy is those three human beings. And, you know, however long I get to be a part of their journey, at least they'll take that part with me. And, you know, so yeah, I get emotional all the time because I'm so blessed. If you, you know, you knew where I came from, you knew how much that, you know, it it sucks to not have that flesh and blood and, and to have lost my adoptive parents when I was 18 and 19 years old and have a life, you know, for 30 years all alone. Um, it, it, it's 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 very humbling, and I, I just count my blessings, and that's why it's not about money. But I would love to be successful, so then I can let them have that opportunities and start my own foundation and charity that can give back to others and create these kind of things that uh, will be here long before I'm you know long after I'm gone. Amen.
0: that's like it matters.net.
1: Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. This is where we're living life like it matters. And today, more so than normal, we've been talking with a great man, an incredible leader, uh, Dave Stevens. And, uh, uh, you know, I told Dave at the break time, I'd like to go backwards. You know, we can't go backwards in life. If uh, I wish I had a DeLorean. I wish I was Michael J. Fox's money and a movie star. But uh, uh, I can't go back in time and neither can you. But let's let's go back down memory lane because, Dave, I want to know, so when did you first become aware, you know, uh, that you were different, that you had no legs? What was – take us back to the beginning of Dave's life. Just
2: what was it like? Uh, you know, it always felt normal because of my adoptive parents and, you know, strike one, born without legs – Strike two put up for adoption. My birth mother never even saw me, but the the parents that adopted me had been raising a lot of foster kids in Arizona, and I don't know what made them see something special in me, so they adopted me right from the hospital. And again, a World War II veteran and a housewife from Michigan and Arizona, uh, you know, and we were really poor, so there was that. You know, we uh, my dad lost his job because his back was so beat up from World War II that we moved around a lot. I think thirteen or fourteen that I could count. We moved. Uh, I went to five or six different schools uh, in my high school life. We, you know, I lived in a one room house for a couple of years where I couldn't have friends over. But you know, I don't have bad memories or PTSD or any bad flashbacks. And I think to your point, when I first remembered was when the Shriners got involved and they flew me to uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, to be at the Shriners Hospital to try to get fitted for artificial legs. And that's kind of my first memory of being different because I was in a playpen with a bunch of other babies and I would. Pull my arms through the playpen and, and pull myself up uh, from, you know, playpen to playpen on wheels, and just drag myself around the room. And the nurses would get mad because I wanted to see the other kids. And then they'd try to make me go to the bathroom and they'd try to put me on this tiny little porta potty and I remember I would climb up on the big toilet because that's where I was supposed to go to the bathroom and so I kind of have some of those memories of of being a little different you know but the Shriners you know utilized that and I went on the road and put on shows and sang and told bad jokes and uh, stuff at like age four or five so I knew you know I was a little different but it was helping me to do some things and have some experiences that uh, most kids my age wasn't And, and so, you know, I've always kind of been a ham. I'm very shy, but I'm always in the public spotlight. So, when I'm doing it, like I said, uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't found a microphone that really don't, doesn't get along with me. So, I've been able to do that and, and turn that into, again, a positivity to raise money and funds and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, most of the time, kids have been friends and that, you know, they wouldn't pick on me almost mascot like, where they would protect me from people saying mean things or derogatory things and so I, I don't know if I grew up in a weird place there wasn't much prejudice um, but I'm, I'm so lucky because I see the horror stories I've experienced it as, a, as an adult when I leave a, an interview and someone's tweeted me and Rob Gronkowski before I left the stadium and suddenly my k- kids calling me saying you're trending dad I'm like what is that and they're saying horrible things about you know is this the dude from Game of Thrones or this guy's missing you know, mixed partial arts like they're saying hideous things about my body that I can't wow. control so it's even more, it's worse when now with social media, the hardness and, and, you know, and it's like, nobody follows me or looks or sees my things yet. You know, on another site, my son posted a video of somebody being goofy and, and it's almost gotten a million views, my 13 year old, Wow. because our priorities are different as far as what we want to see. People like you, there is that small voice
1: yeah you know and that's what's sad you know you would think with all how far we've come and all these laws you know these uh these laws and yet i don't see us getting kinder to each other i I see us getting meaner to each other and that's why you know i uh not to want to go off sideways here but the whole critical race theory to to program kids that if you're a certain skin color you're determined uh you're a victim you're oppressed uh people don't like you and you know my little boy i got a six and a half year old boy and a little Benaya, and he's a lover of people. My biggest fear is he's going to walk off with somebody. Cuz he loves people. I've never met a soul who loves everybody. He, I mean, we take him to a pool and we got to be careful cuz he wants to go out and hang out with and talk to the grown-ups and all that. I'm like, "Buddy, you can't do that." You know, we we got to tell him that there's some bad people out there. They don't look bad. You know, but they 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 want to do some bad things and he doesn't get it. And yet yet the some CRT will say that he's evil. That he has some privilege. We we don't have a lot of money right now. We give a lot. Of, I'm here to serve. I'm not here to be served. I'm not here to make money. I'm here to make a difference. I don't just. Those aren't mantras. Those are my beliefs. And so I don't get wrapped up in money. But yet I, I see that so so wrong. And yet your your mindset is so powerful, Dave, that you don't have that. You and you. I think you bridge a gap, a huge gap. But you're right. Uh, if I was to do something stupid or or make a game for an app, uh, you know, I, I'd be a millionaire. But if I'm out there changing people's lives and bridging gaps and and picking up the broken, the lost and and giving those who have no value value, uh, people aren't really interested in that. It, It breaks my heart. I don't know about you. It just sometimes breaks my heart.
2: No, and, and, and if you were even to, to, to go to the extreme, and again, I've been around Tim Tebow, like you even start throwing God, and it's like, I, you know, I thank God for how I am, because it's a gift, and people are like, don't you want legs for a day? Wouldn't you want to know? And it's like, no, but if you start giving thanks or praise, then that's another window or wall that goes up, because, oh, I don't want to hear about that, but, you know, what else do we have? You know, if we don't have faith yeah. and, and and appreciate what we have, like, look at how worse it could have been for me. Look at the other path. Let's say I'm in a, uh, in those days, you know, your audience might remember where they put people in medical institutions almost like, you know, a jail with a disability, and they did it in New York, and you could just easily be in an orphanage, you know, so my path, while it wasn't glamorous or, uh, you know, uh, the best way, it, it made me who I am today, and now if I could go to a school which... Kind of sucks with COVID, but I make the most impact with those kids. Seeing, you know, oh wow, he is a little different. And it's okay to be stared at, and it's okay to have zits, and it's okay to be chunky, and it's okay to wear glasses, and you know, all these things that I've had to deal with. What is it like to date girls? You know, what? How does the, how do you find a woman that's going to accept you for you? Uh, you know, how, you know all these. How are you going to cook? How are you going to do all these things? You know, there's not a book for how to live life without legs for dummies. So, yeah. you know, all these things people they just see the sports. They don't really my day-to-day struggles, you know, i put my pants on both legs at a time. So, because that's it, a pair of shorts, pull them over, you know? So, uh, what works for some people doesn't always work for everybody, you know?
1: Yeah, but your mindset is so powerful. I mean, you, you have, you know, Dr. Viktor Frankl said between the stimulus and the response, there's a space. And in that space is our power and our freedom. And one thing I've learned a while ago is we've given away our power and our freedom. We we seem to be determined, you know, genetically determined or, or, or racially determined or economically determined. And uh, even, you know, I do that dermatoglyphics with the fingerprinting, and it's cool. But some people take it to the extreme where it says it determines how you're going to do this? It determines, and see, I believe in the two E's: experience and exposure. Uh, and I don't believe I'm determined by anything. I believe my God uh, created me uh, to, to to live a big life, and and not for my glory, but for His glory; not for my gain, but for His gain. And so, you know, you are the epitome of uh, Romans eight twenty eight for for God causes all things to work for the good for those who love Him or are called according to His purpose, uh, and uh, for Phenomenal. What, what parting words uh, to my audience, what, 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 what some words of wisdom that you would like to share with my audience before we get you off phone?
2: Well, I think getting back to that quote is the only space I knew, I think, was between my ears because I've never let my brain, you know, think that I was handicapped or disabled. And, and if your viewers and listeners could, could take that away, is like, don't let people label you for what you are. You know, it's, it's like if I had let those things define me, then, you know, would I be an accountant or would I have been whatever that people with disabilities or handicaps are perceived? So that's why it's so mind-blowing. But you know what? There's nothing in me that's special that you couldn't go out and do or overcome or shoot for or change your life or make yourself better. So, uh, you know, I just want people to realize that this is my normal and for people to look at each other and go, that's their normal. That's their normal. If it's their religion, that's their normal. If they have ADHD or if they're bipolar or whatever. And, and, you know, let's worry about you know, love and changing the, 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 the world as far as so we can ha- in 40 years, our kids can still be together and do things and live this life Uh, because we got so much you know we throw out that term diversity and it really doesn't cover everybody
1: no no and uh, how do they get a hold of you if they want to reach out to you for a speaking engagement or watch some stuff give us some information how they can contact you
2: Thanks, Scott. They can go to uh, www.davestephenspeaks.com or follow me, please, on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube, all the videos and stuff like that. And again, uh, we work with schools. We work with budgets because it's not about the money. It's about the message. Oh, amen,
1: amen And man, I gotta tell you I've met a lot of impressive people And I mean this I don't just say words to say words None as impressive as you are, sir So uh, God bless you And so, uh, you know, we've been talking with Dave Stevens And uh, Dave Spe- Stevens Speaks Incredible man, incredible leader uh, Highly recommend uh, anything you could use him for uh, Reach out to him So you are under construction on the Like It Matters Radio Network I am Mr. Black Reminding you, when you live your life like it matters It does. You have been listening to Mr. Black, Master Trainer for Like It Matters. Please find us on Facebook by searching LIM Radio. Make sure to follow us, like our posts, and share with others. Also, search YouTube for Like It Matters. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. And for more information on how we can help you live life like it matters, Go to likeitmatters.net where you can find more information on our transformational training, our life coaching, counseling, our radio show, and other ways we help you continue the journey of living life like it matters.